It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guestman. Joining me, Mr. Kevin Baxter from the LA Times, coming to you on Monday, April 9th, just, uh, let's see, less than 24 hours after the LA Galaxy fell to Sporting Kansas City 2-0 at StubHub Center. Uh, an interesting game. I'm going to say it's interesting. I think we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, certainly a crash back down to earth after the uh, the meteoric and, and euphoric feelings of the LA Galaxy LAFC match. So uh, hopefully we can uh, get our heads wrapped around this Sporting Kansas City match. And of course, uh, we'll, uh, we'll start leading you down this uh, rosy path towards the matchup with the Chicago Fire coming up on Saturday in Chicago. Zlatan's first road trip, maybe. We'll see how that all uh, goes as well. Mr. Kevin Baxter, how are you doing, buddy? All right. You know, you know, I've been thinking about the lion and, and how that's a perfect nickname, a perfect uh, animal to be associated with, with Zlatan. By the way, on a totally unrelated note, someone in L.A. is selling lion T-shirts online. Um, has nothing to do with, with Ibrahimovic, I guess. But anyway, so I got to thinking, if he's the lion... Right. What animal, and, and it's perfect for him, what animal would I be associated with? Which one do I most closely resemble? Don't answer that, uh-huh. because I have my own answer. I'm going to say the giant panda, because I'm fat, slow, lazy, and I like bamboo. Seems perfect, right? <laughs> you're, you're, you're a big bamboo fan, are you? Well, and by the way, did you know that a panda poops up to 40 times a day and spends the rest of its day eating and sleeping but when needed to, it can run 20 miles an hour, about as fast as an NFL wide receiver. So this is kind of like the animal planet now with Josh Gessman. We're <laughs> dropping all kinds of animal 411 on everyone. That's what the kids say, right? 411? Yeah, I have no idea anymore what the kids say. I've, I've long since passed that, I feel like. Uh, I feel like it's all, it's all going away. Let's see. So you're, you're a panda. So what would I be? You know what? I don't, even, I don't even think I should answer that question. I think everybody else should answer that question of what I, I, I know in my mind what I am. Which you know is a goose, really. Whenever you think about it, no, I'm, I, I say duck. <laughs> no, no ducks. <laughs> no, Spanish, I'm a, <laughs> Spanish for duck is is, is well, pato, and that gets you blocked from the show, Kevin. <laughs> well, the, that's for, but see, I mean, I put way too much thought in this. I'm thinking about the rest of the galaxy. I see Ola as a mongoose. That's no a, particular reason, but I just see him. He's quick, smart, cunning, resourceful. Kind of like Ricky Ticky Tavy. I hope you get that reference. I, that's, that's an old book, isn't it? That's yeah, a very Rudy, old book. Rudy yeah, Kipling. He's like really good. Yeah. Um, Ari Lasseter. I think Ari Lasseter is a roadrunner. He's fast and quick. He's the, he's, the, be... he's the goal puppy. He's the but, goal, but you, know, you can't just suddenly change. He is the goal puppy. That's how it works. See, my my what I'm seeing is he's fast and quiet. Um, and like Boateng, he could be fast and quiet too. Geo. Geo is the is Wiley E. Coyote because nothing ever seems to go right and he always looks like an anvil is going to fall on his head. Um, <laughs> Ro, at Roman Alessandrini, for me, he's Pepe Le Pew, and, and that's only because I don't know any other cartoon animal that speaks with a French accent. So okay, um, that was that was it. That was that was the narrowed do, that one down pretty quickly. Yes. Do you do you know Pepe Le Pew? Do you yes. know that cartoon? Yes, of course. I, I mean, I like. I know I'm older than you. I'm older than all the people listening, but I, I like all the classic stuff. You know, when you go back and all the classic stuff from the seventies, like um, the stones. I like the stones. You like the stones. I mean, I love the stones, Fred, Barney. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Those stones. Of course the rubbles, the rubbles, Barney rubble. 
Maybe instead of a panda, I think my spirit animal is Eeyore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how this show started so so sideways already, but <laughs> hey, that's how it is. It, Galaxy, 2 nothing lost, Kevin. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I know. It's... Listen, you just you have to put your feet firmly back on ground, all right? The 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 joy and fun that was that ridiculous game. And you know what? I was dreading play, going to this game on Sunday anyway for two major reasons. Number one is there's no way that it was ever going to live up to the LA Galaxy LAFC game. That was never happening. Well, no game ever will. I I'm just, you know, that's we saw it, we were there. We were one of the 50 million people that attended that game live. Um, yes. and, um, just enjoy it because it's never going to happen again. No, it's never going to happen again. I got told by uh, a couple players, uh, specifically like craziest game I've ever been involved in. Don't expect I'll ever be involved in one again. Once in a lifetime experience. That's it. That, that's, that's, that's how it goes. Even the players are like, yeah, we're never going to, we're never going to top that. That's fine. Um, well, that's Bob how Bradley talked about it. He basically was talking about how, how they collapsed, how LAFC collapsed. And he said, you know, that, they needed a, a, a wake-up call like that, not that it really woke them up when you saw what happened last weekend, but his point was we needed a wake-up call like that, we needed to have a game like that, we needed to have a gut check. He goes, but we did need Ebra Day, and that's what he <laughs> called it, Ebra Day. But, you know, looking past that game to, to this last game with Sporting Kansas City, you know, the, as you and I talked about, there were so many sort of um, – thresholds that the LA Galaxy were so close to they would have won three games at home for the first time since 2015 they would right. have won two games consecutive games for just the second time since 2016 they would have equaled last year's right now that they, yeah. they would have come well, they would have equaled last year's win total yes that's Wait, right they yeah win e total at home yep. equaled last year's win total before you know the second week in in, in April is over um, all kinds of milestones that they could have but didn't accomplish. Yeah, they didn't. And uh, this was a, a, another, it was it was a game to be a little optimistic about, too, as well. And I'll certainly go and, and tell you exactly what I said in this game, Kevin. And, and I think you were a little bit on board with me, so I have no problems shoving our heads both under the water here and wa as we watch ourselves drown. Um that I didn't think Sporting Kansas City was for real coming into the uh, into Stub Up Center. I'd seen the teams they had played, I'd watched them play, and I said, you know what? I'm just I'm not a believer. And they were even missing their their leading goal scorer. So I felt good with Ramon Alessandrini coming back, with Jonathan Dos Santos coming back, with you know Ibrahimovic able to come off the bench. I felt like the Galaxy team was finally getting healthy. It finally was going to hit its stride, and this was the perfect game to show one that Sporting Kansas City wasn't that good, and two that the Galaxy are a decent team. And what instead I was left with about Sporting Kansas City is I'm still not convinced they're like world beaters in any sense of the of, of the way or in any sense of the word. Um, but I do feel like if they are one of the best teams in the Western Conference, that the Galaxy aren't far off from them. Because if you watch that game, the Galaxy dominated that game for large portions of it. Um, and I even it's it's really interesting, Kevin, and I'd love to hear your take on this. I disagree with Siggy Schmidt and I disagree with most of the players as well. Um, I thought the Galaxy had a very good first half, a very good 45 minutes that showed a lot of high pressure, a lot of flying around, a lot of energy, something they were definitely missing in the LAFC game and something I had talked to Ola Kamara and Ashley Cole about on uh, Saturday, the, the day before the game about this. They said they were going to come out with energy. They were going to come out with, you know, some some intensity and they did that in the first 45 minutes they played very well in the first 45 minutes and they really pressured sporting kansas city who is an experienced team that is very locked into their own system they they made them uncomfortable in that first half and i i thought that that was a huge step forward from what the galaxy were did against lafc 
Well, I mean, they had a terrific second half, though. I mean, if you're saying the first half was better, the second half was pretty insane. I think they had something like 16 shots in the second half. Ibra himself had five shots, three on goal, and he only played 28 minutes. So, I mean, the second half was, uh, you know, they got a little unlucky. But as Ibra said, too, um, you know, sometimes the shots go in, sometimes they don't. And you, you can talk about, you know, bouncing shots off the goalpost all you want. But if it doesn't go in, you don't get a point. And if you don't get a point, you're, there's no way you're going to win the game. So he was being kind of a realist about it. The way I looked at this is, yeah, I definitely thought that the Sporting Kansas City game was a winnable game for the Galaxy. I, too, was not all that impressed with them coming in, um, especially with, with Felipe Gutierrez being out because he's had th- what, three game-winning goals and the game-tying goal in the game that they, they played to a draw. So I really thought that they were um, hurting without him. And for the Galaxy, aside from the milestones we talked about, which are, which are just numbers, um, I think the Galaxy really needed to build on that LAFC game. It was It's far too easy to say they caught lightning in a bottle in that game, and, and you can make that argument. But a lot of that would have gone away if they followed that with a strong game against the, the best team in the conference. And by strong, I mean, you know, getting a result, at least a draw at home. You can't, you can't lose a game, as Ibra said. You know, they, they, were, they lost 2 to nothing at home. The game before, they were down 3 to nothing at home. Um, the whole idea of Fortress Stubhub is gone. Um, they're not going to be as bad as they were last year at home, but they're just not playing very well in Stubhub. And, 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 I mean, look at the crowd behind them. You can't fault the fans for this. There were some times last year when fans were calling for an awful to be fired and this and that, and, and there was a, you know, the, the fans were supporting the team in, in the way that, you know, they were calling for change. That was the way they, the way they were supporting them. But, I mean, right now the fans are 100% behind this team, and and they're just not playing well at home. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're not playing well at home. They played well against Portland uh, at home. They played well against—I mean, <laughs> they didn't. They didn't play well against LAFC because I'm going to make the argument that they didn't. Um, but they got a result. But they I mean, got they, a result. They got a win. Yeah, and you do that. And sometimes you can get—I mean, listen, in this Sporting Kansas City t- game, the Galaxy deserved at least a point in the game. At least a point. And they probably should have won the game outright. They hit the post three times. They had 10 shots on goal. They created a ton of chances. All right, Probably they created more chances than they did against the in the LAFC game. Again, if you take the both games in terms of how the Galaxy played, in my mind, Kevin, the Galaxy played much better against Sporting Kansas City than they did against LAFC. And really, the whole problem in the Sporting Kansas City game comes down to about five minutes. A lapse of five minutes, or if you really want to say 15 minutes in that second half, the way that they came out of the locker room and until uh, Ibrahimovic came on the field, those 15 minutes were a little lackadaisical for me. And for sure, the five minutes where, where Sporting Kansas City was able to score the two goals and go up. I mean, you're talking about a team, the Galaxy, who were really pressuring a good defensive unit from Sporting Kansas City who knows how to get back behind the ball and how to cut out crosses and how to cut out, cut out passes and do all of these things, right? And so you look at all those and you're like, okay, um, you know, the Galaxy are chipping away at this, chipping away at this. And then they do the thing that they have been doing starting last year and this year again, is giving up those counterattacking goals or making small mistakes. And I was talking to one player, and I I said, listen, from my view, I was looking at it this way, all right, that I think that this was actually a very good game for the Galaxy. And I said, what do you think? And he goes, just two defensive mistakes were the only difference here. He goes, we deserved a point in that. And, you know, certainly players can be a little more candid whenever you're just talking, you know, sort of off the record to the side. And it's like, they deserved a point out of that. I agree, they did deserve it, but the ball didn't go in, Kevin. The ball bounced off the post. Tim Milia, the SKC goalkeeper, had, what, 10 saves? 
Yeah. I mean, I, that's a, a career high and a franchise record. Yeah. So uh, he played great. He made the one save that he made on Ashley Cole's ripped left footed shot across the goal was outstanding. Just barely got fingertips to it just enough to push it off the bar. Um, that ball was going in. I think everybody in the press box had like the perfect view of that, Kevin. We were right up above it and we could see the ball curving. And you're like, that ball's in and, you know, it didn't happen. And, you know, for the Galaxy, you can criticize the defense. You can criticize guys like Ashley Cole, um, like Jorgen Shelvick, like Dan Steris, like Rolf Felcher. You can criti- criticize those guys for making mistakes. You can criticize Ola Kamara for not getting a header on the ball in the, in the scramble on the set piece. So a set piece breakdown and a counterattack are what led to the LA Galaxy losing this game in a game that they probably should have won, but at the very least got a draw in it. And I think if you're a Galaxy fan right now, you need to look at the progress that's being made on the field with players now coming back into rotation like Alessandrini and Jonathan Dos Santos. That's how I saw this game. Well, yeah, they're going to get better, but I, 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 and I don't, I, people out there already accuse me of being a wet blanket, and I'm not trying to be a wet blanket. I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to sort of present the alternative um, to your rainbows and butterfly view, which is that, yeah, the Galaxy is a is a good team. They can be better, and they're going to get better with these guys coming back. But the difference between a good team uh, or a mediocre team and a great team is um, the great teams find ways to win the, these kind of games. When they put, you know, when you get 22 shots and put 10 on goal, um, you know, you've got to find a way to finish. I mean, when you're getting that many looks, you've got to find a way to finish. Yeah, the defensive breakdowns, as you mentioned, um, you know, maybe take one of those goals back and, and then one of the 22 shots go in and all of a sudden you, you come out of that game with points. You probably should do better at home. But that's what separates the, the great teams from the other teams that are trying to get into the playoffs. And right now the Galaxy, and I, and I know they're going to get better, they're getting healthier. Right now the Galaxy are one of those sort of bubble teams. Uh, and until they can find a way to win these kind of games, you know, the one thing I think Malia did really well in goal for Sporting Kansas City is he didn't give up a lot of rebounds. I'm I'm kind of going through the game in my mind now. He had really good looks on all the shots he saved. Yeah, you know, Ibra had three long-distance shots, the Ashley Cole shot. They were all shots from not great distance, but, you know, out, at the edge of the 18 or outside the 18. There was no traffic in front of the net. He had a really good look uh, and caught the ball, didn't give up a rebound. American goaltenders, uh, you know, tend to do that. They tend to catch the ball and not give up rebounds like a lot of European goaltenders do, uh, goalkeepers do. So when you're not giving up the, when you give up the rebound, then you have people charging the net and they score on the rebounds. Um, and you see a lot of, you know, goals come on second chances. He he had a really good look. There was no traffic in front of the net. He was able to catch the ball. Uh, and, uh, you know, didn't, again, didn't give up any second chances. Um I don't know how many people the Galaxy had crashing the net anyways, but, um, you know, I think that's one reason he was so successful. The 10 saves, uh, pretty phenomenal, but how many of them were really super difficult? I, I don't know that there were that. Maybe one or two, the, the one that he pushed off the bar, for example, with the diving save, that was a really good play. Yeah, you can say that, but you also have to look at the three that went off, you know, off the woodwork or the plastic, as you like to say. Yes, um, yes. it's PZ. It's, it's plastic now. There's no wood involved. There's, there's no wood involved. Uh, you have to look at the ones. Those weren't getting saved. Um, no, that's true. You know, I mean, that type of thing. So, so I mean, the one is the Ashley Cole one, clearly. But Pontius had a wide-open look that, you know, bounced off the bar and, and went out. So you had guys who hit the post. And even Zlatan, you talk about the rebounds. Whenever he started hitting them at the goal, there were a little bit of bobbles here and there. But, I mean, listen... <laughs> You could see it when Zlatan came on in this game, Kevin. The last 30 minutes was a scramble for the Galaxy. They were already down 2-0. They blew it. 
and they blew it in one specific way, is that if that game is 0-0 and Zlatan Ibrahimovic comes on to the game, into that game, totally different game, Galaxy have a great chance of winning that game. You, you, you screwed up. You screwed up just before he comes on. You allow two goals. That's the, well, and one that's of the them, big problem. One of them scored when he was standing next to the fourth official, right? I yes. mean, it was seconds uh, before he came in. You know, he comes in one to nothing. I think it's a totally different game. And that was the goal they gave up that was over the top. Uh, the player split two. Ashley Cole and Daniel Steris went right between them, pulled Bigham off his line, and just kind of chipped the ball over him. That was a bad goal, and it, you know if they don't give that up, Ebro comes on. It's one to nothing. Sporting Kansas City can't play keep away. They got to play a little bit because it's only a one goal lead. Uh, I think it's probably a different game. Yeah, it is a different game. And by the way, that was a great goal um, by by Johnny Russell, right? That was Johnny Russell. From yeah, Sports yeah, Sporting but it's a great goal for Kansas City. But I think that you know the, the Galaxy has to be able to put that one away. I mean, they got to shut that one down. Yeah, I, I, you say the same thing. Here's the here's the thing I always have a problem with, and, and maybe it's the defender in me talking about, is that goals get scored on defensive mistakes. Otherwise, there wouldn't be goals. All right? That's how these things work. And overall, again, the defense had a better game against Sporting Kansas City than they did against LAFC. I have no issues with the defense except for switching off for that 10 or 15 minutes. And quite honestly, that goes to the whole team coming out of the, the second half, is those first 15 minutes of the second half were bad. And you thought that maybe their heads were locked in after a really good first 45 minutes that they put in. And certainly you had some issues with Jonathan Dos Santos and Ramon Alessandrini trying to find the pace of the game after missing so many games. I mean, I thought Alessandrini was okay. He certainly wasn't great. Uh, he was playing in the middle, which is a little bit different uh, formation for him. Uh, you had Jonathan Dos Santos kind of playing right behind him. So those guys had to find the game. And I thought, one in the first half, that the Galaxy were so fortunate to have Jonathan Dos Santos back in this game. Uh, I thought he played excellent in the first half. Really good. Really smart. Um, a ton of energy. Uh, the Galaxy are going to be okay with him back. And then Alessandrini, um, you knew it was going to be sort of hit and miss with him. He's got to be able to find his rhythm. He's got to be a guy who plays every single game in order to be able to do what he did. And Sporting Kansas City was good at limiting the space around him. Um, and, and yeah, he was rusty. I would imagine that he would be rusty. I don't think anybody's surprised that he's rusty, except that I see all the comments on social media and Facebook saying how horrible a game he was and y'all act surprised. The guy hasn't played since the uh, since the second half of the first game of the season, so he's had some time off, um, and so it's good that he's back on the field now. These are things now that you're starting to see. So those were both positives for me, even though Alessandrini wasn't great. Kevin, it was a positive because he's back on the field, he's playing, and no, he was never going to go 90 minutes. And yes, they had to take him out when they had to take him out. There was no chance here. There was no there was no letting him go any further because the dude was gassed. Granted. He was throwing balls at the net like crazy, Kevin. But the dude was gassed. There was the, he was coming off, and that was always planned in this game that Alessandrini would come off. And I think Siggy said he would even wanted to get him off a little bit sooner. Yeah, the guy that was really, really uh, gasping for Arthur was Jonathan Dos Santos. Yeah, um, he uh, he played a. I thought he played a pretty solid game, but um, at the end he was really struggling to keep up. And, and I guess well they did have one substitute left but um you know Husidic or Carrasco those guys probably weren't going to find any goals so um you know bringing them on for Jonathan you're probably better keeping Jonathan out there even at you know three quarter speed 
Yeah, I mean, that makes a little bit of sense. The other issue is that, you know, you looked at who the Galaxy were going to be able to bring in off this bench, and it, it still was a little bit of a short bench. Uh, Dave Romney was on the bench. You had Justin Vomstig, the backup goalkeeper. So, Servando Carrasco, Sebastian Legette. So, you knew Legette was going to come in. Um, and so, they made the, the swap for Legette for Allison Drini, right? Um, which, which, again, makes sense. But I think a lot of people were wondering why you couldn't get those guys on the field at the same time. And the bottom line is that, that one, Siggy was really trying to limit the minutes of Sebastian Legette, Kevin. That was, that was something he talked about after the LAFC game. And it was something you certainly knew that given the chance and the opportunity to, he was going to sit him and limit his minutes. That way his body could recover a little bit because he had been complaining that he'd been playing too many minutes. Um, Siggy Schmidt was complaining that Sebastian Legette was playing too many minutes too yeah, early. Yeah, Sebastian's not complaining. No, he no, no. More. No, he but was you, fine. You know, when you, okay, so let's look at the, they made two substitutions, Siggy did. So he had one left. And, and you look at the guys that were on the bench. Von Steeb, he's got to be on the bench. You need a backup goalkeeper. So then the other four outfield players you have, Dave Romney, Michael Ciani, Carrasco, and Baggio Husic. Um Baggio did pretty good against LAFC. Maybe he's a guy that you could have, you could have brought in, but I'm wondering if instead of say instead of say Siani, because Romney can play center back and he can play outside back, so he he's versatile and and Carrasco can play that sort of holding midfield spot. What if they had Ari Lasseter there? What if you know when you're chasing the game like this, what would Ari Lasseter? You know, again, 2020 um, vision is is very uh, nice to have the day after the game, but. Would you have brought used the third substitution to bring on, say, Ari Lasser? None of those other guys are going to change the game, but maybe Ari Lasser gives you one more weapon up front. Yeah, I mean, because you, you could bring in, you could take off a defender and put in another attacker. I mean, the problem is that if you make that third substitution when you probably need to, which is probably, you know, with 10 minutes left, you're still down two goals at the time. Um, so it doesn't make any sense. And if you're going to bring Baggio Husidic in, even in this particular case, and put him in to the center, so you're going to take out Jonathan Dos Santos, who was still affecting play and yes he was gassed kevin but he was still playing well no that's that's why it, yeah it's a, it, either dos santos or pontius would be the guy that i you know i would have taken on one of those guys i don't know if I would, or maybe one of the defenders i don't know i'm just i'm just trying to think once you roll the dice and you bring in um um ibrahimovic do you have another guy another game changing type like you know again we talked a lot about Boateng coming off the bench last year when he did and and it just always seemed to change the complexion of the game um, I think the Galaxy could have used one more attacker, and you just look at the guys they have on the bench, and none of those guys are going to fill that role. So, you know, Ziggy, when he made the second substitution with Legette in the 67th minute, it was like, this is it. This is the, you know, these are the guys who are taken to the house. Yeah, and, and the other part of this is that the Galaxy still are, are short a player or two. Um, you know, ideally, you and, and this was a big complaint I saw during the game, that Chris Pontius and Emma Boateng are not starters. And my response is, duh. That's why they shouldn't be starters. And we've been talking about that since the beginning of the game. The bottom line is that they don't have all the player personnel that they need right now in order to make them bench players. And so then, Kevin, imagine that you have somebody like Chris Pontius or you have somebody like Emmanuel Boateng on the bench and you need that extra offensive weapon. Now you have options there to be able to do that stuff. But there just weren't a lot of options here. And you had to play Allison Drini and you had to give him significant minutes because he needed to get back into game shape and he needed to start playing. 
So you knew you were going to have to use a sub on him, and no, you couldn't have kept him on there any longer. He was done. So, so you did that. That's fine. That works for me. You know, could you have possibly taken, um, you know, Alessandrini and moved him out wide, and and maybe played a little bit of a different formation whenever you started this game? Could you have moved Pontius underneath Kamara? Does that help you more? And then you you can play a little bit more of a four four two. If you do that with Boateng on one wing, Alessandrini on the other wing, and then Pontius up top, sure, you could have. I don't know that it does a whole bunch because there was so much interchange between Boateng, Alessandrini, and Pontius and Kamara that really you had that formation anyway. Bruce Serena, my, one, one of my favorite guys I used to, used to talk to all the time there, Kevin. Bruce Serena used to always complain about people talking about formations, right? And his big complaint was, formations don't matter because once you start, they change. And with the Galaxy and those attacking players they had up front, that's exactly what started happening almost immediately. Sometimes there would be two guys up on the forward line. Sometimes there would be four guys up on the forward line. Sometimes there would be one guy up there and three underneath. So it changed constantly to keep changing the looks and how it goes. So, you know, does Alessandrini being out wide change a whole bunch of things? Maybe it does a little bit, but I think they felt like Pontius would still be able to get inside, and they felt like Alessandrini likes to cut inside anyway, so go ahead and try to use him there, and they really didn't have a playmaker in this lineup unless maybe you wanted to move Jonathan Dos Santos up into the 10 role, because Alessandrini was playing the 10 on the night, that's for sure. Um, so it's just, again, yes, if you want to second-guess Siggy Schmidt on this, you can, because there's players in there and formations that you can use, but I didn't think his game plan was flawed. What was flawed was the defense... Uh, giving up the goals uh, in coming out of the second half. That's the flawed part of this game for me. Well, and and with all that, you know, talking all this negative stuff, the Galaxy is still in third place, pretty solid third place, and they haven't won a game on the road yet. Uh, they could uh, pick up that first road win this weekend in Chicago. I know Chicago played really well against Columbus, and we have Bastian Feinsteiger now playing as a sweeper, which is really interesting because he's going to go up against Manchester United teammate Zlatan Ibrahimovic this weekend and could wind up man-marking him, which would be really uh, pretty cool to watch. Those two go at it. But, it, you know, the, the Galaxy solidly in third place. They haven't won on the road yet. Uh, I think we can admit they haven't played the kind of soccer they're capable of because they haven't had their, their projected starting lineup on the field. Uh, and Ibrahimovic is beginning to gain fitness. You, you look at – I would not be surprised to see him – go full half or very close to that this weekend because I think Ziggy's kind of been stair-stepping him. You know, he played at 19 minutes the first game, then he played 28 minutes the second game. So if you figure 40 to 45, that's almost a half. This game, uh, Latan said he felt really good that, you know, he's regaining fitness. But at the same token, you know, with the same breath, he also cautioned that he hasn't played a lot and that he's coming off serious uh, knee surgery. I think we're going to hear that a lot. I think we're going to hear Zlatan say that he's ready to play, but then that he's still coming off surgery, which take that any way you want. You know, it's, it's like, play me, but I also have an excuse if things don't go well. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's there. And listen, it's that's fine. And once Zlatan could play 60 minutes, by the way, Kevin, now he can start. Right? And so as soon as you can get him into that 60-minute range, which if you're stair-stepping him right now, Kevin, uh, if he plays a half against Chicago, if he goes the second half or the first half, um, however, Siggy wants to work it. I always, I always look looking at the second half. Probably is a is a better fit there. Um, but if he plays the second half, then you're looking at whenever the Galaxy face off and host Atlanta at StubHub Center, a chance for him to possibly get a start and go 60 minutes. Okay, um, here I'm not afraid to say anything stupid because I say stupid stuff all the time, and it's kind of what people expect me to say. Yes. So uh, let me say something really stupid here. Um, the idea of 
starting Zlatan are, are you know playing him 60 minutes at the start and taking him off with 30 minutes to go. Um, is is that what you want? Do you think that's smart? Because I'm still kind of I'm still kind of wedded to this rich man Alan Gordon thing, where he comes on and he just totally changes the complexion of a game. And and I don't do you change the complexion of a game from the start? I and mean, perhaps you do, but. I, you know, does he go the way? Does he play the way he's played the last two weeks? Does he play that way if he if he comes on from the start? Maybe he does. Maybe he's just you know very dangerous from the outset and he just runs you know up and down the field all game and he's great. Um, that's possible. Maybe he scores five goals a night. I don't know. But what I've seen the last two games, the way that he comes on with the energy and you know the fans play into it, the anticipation, the fans get wrapped up when he comes in, they go crazy, everything changes. Is is that a better way to use him, or do you get that energy when you start him from the you know from the opening whistle? What do you think? I think the quality of player that he is, you want him on the field as much as possible. Now the problem is that you're really gonna you really want him down the stretch in any game, right? So it doesn't matter whether you're winning, losing, or or you're tied. You want him down the stretch, so you want him in those last 20, 30 minutes where I think he's really useful, where he starts working against tired legs of, uh, of defenders that do not have as much skill as he has, right? So all these things are fine. But in order to step him into that, because, listen, I, I know that I said that he should be a super stub, I, and I still like that role from him, for, for him on occasion, especially whenever they manage his minutes. But, um, you know, you need somebody to be able to link play. He's still a great passer. He's still a guy who can find a good, uh, you know, put the ball in dangerous positions. He can do all that. So you're going to want him on the field as much as possible. But in the interim, you're going to be short him down the line because you're certainly not going to start somebody. And then in the 30th minute, you're going to sub Zlatan on. You know what I mean? So Well, I, I just still see him as, you know, the baseball analogy is a, a guy who is a great a great closer can't be a starter because he doesn't have the stamina and, and the repertoire of pitches to, to pitch six or seven innings, but he's really good for an inning or two. And, and, you know, I, and yeah, I'm sure it's a lot of time will win me over because I drank the Kool-Aid on everything else so far, but I just, I just really like what he brings to the game at the end. And, and you're right. I mean, if he can come on and play 60 minutes, but then he's off the field for the last 30, that really hurts the galaxy for, I, I think for a number of different reasons, least of which is, if you're a, a young player or even a you know just a more experienced MLS player and the game's on the line and you make a mistake, you do not want to have to to look up and there's Salatani Himic staring back at you. If you're sitting on the bench, you're kind of protected. But the last thing you want to do is piss off the lion with the game on the line. And I just I, I, you know we've heard it from players already, kind of whispering about how he makes all of them better because they don't want to disappoint him. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. It's also Ibrahimovic. Say it with me, Kevin. Ibrahimovic. Pato. Oh, wow. All right. So I will and, never get that right. It's like I, always going to be Ibra Zalatan, the line, Ibrahimovic. Yeah, there you go. Just like Baggio Husidic. Baggio Pato. Baggio Pato. Baggio There you go. We're going we're gonna to keep, we'll keep working. You know why? This is why I have to get you to say it right. Because people complain to me. They don't complain to you for <laughs> no, some they reason. Don't. They complain to me. And I have to hear it. And I'm like, so, I, I know how to say it. Don't, you don't have to, you don't have to give me any, I don't, I don't need to hear it, people. I don't need to hear it. The rain in Spain in falls mainly in, in the, the plain. plain. Yeah, my fair lady. Um, see, if, if it's theater-wise, for some reason, Kevin, I know that stuff, all right? If it's old Ibrahimovic. movies... There you go. There okay. you go. Ibra. Ibra Zlatan. Ibra. Zlatan. The lion. Or, or Zlatan, as people tend to say, which is just wrong. 
Very, very, very wrong. But no, I, again, I think that you're going to have to suffer. It's just like you had to suffer without Ramon Alessandrini. We both agree that if you're playing in a game, you want Ramon Alessandrini to be there the last 30 minutes of the game because he's the guy who can, who, who's creative, who can break down defenses, who can score goals. So if you're down two goals, the last thing you want to do is take off Ramon Alessandrini. Right, Kevin? Ibrahimovic. Yeah, exactly. So so <laughs> the last thing you want to do is take off Alison Drini. But in this case, you had to suffer through to. it. But you had to do it this game. There's no point. There's no arguing about it. You can't leave him out there for 90 minutes unless you want to injure him. And that's and, that's the know, thing. Z- Ziggy said something on Thursday, I think it was, that, that um, sort of let you uh, have a little glimpse into his mind when he made his lineup decisions. He said, we got so many guys coming back from injuries. He's talking about Ibrahimovic. He's talking about Alison Drini. He's talking about... Uh, he's talking about Jonathan Dos Santos. He goes, you can't start all of them because then you you just don't have that many substitutions. So you you start some and you have the other guys on the bench and and you just try to mix and match and and figure you know in this case it was Allison Drini and Legette together were worth ninety minutes. Jonathan had to go ninety minutes. But yeah, he's right. You can't just say okay, well we really need a full game at Allison Drini. We really want Legette on the field. We want Jonathan Dos Santos and it would be great to have um, you know Ebra on there. They all can't go 90 minutes. They're just all not fit, and you only have three substitutions. Um, and so you have to manage your personnel. And, that, you know, a lot of times you just look at the players and say, how come this guy wasn't there or how come this guy wasn't playing in this position? Well, it's because you only have three substitutions. There's only so many uh, moving parts that you can use. You don't have an unlimited bench. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that. And the other thing is we're not in th- those private conversations, um, you know, where uh, a player tells uh, Ziggy, look, I, I, I'm good for 90 minutes. I can go. I'm, and then Ziggy, if it's Sebastian Legette, you, you got to take that with a grain of salt because Sebastian Legette's going to say that all the time. And you really have to to be smart and, and, and look at it. Other guys um, will say, you know, I can't go 90 minutes. And and they're they're being completely honest. They're not being quitters. And so Ziggy has to look at that too. Well, Ibrahimovic said, is that one of those guys? I, I mean, again, this is not college soccer. This isn't ASO, you know, AYSO soccer. This isn't your club team where... You know, the coach is out there and, and he gets to decide everything and every this is professional sports. And in any professional sports locker room, yes, the coach is in charge. The coach is the guy making the decisions. But in, in a professional locker room, Kevin, there's input from the other professionals in this, the players themselves. So they can come in here. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know, talking Siggy Schmidt, the very first game, the LAFC game. Siggy goes, I actually wanted to get him in there earlier, earlier, but I was told I, we couldn't do that. Like, is in terms of that's too soon. You know, Zlatan says he can give you about 20 minutes and he gave you 20 minutes. You know, he, he did what he said he was going to do. And then in this next game, you can bet that Siggy said, you know, I'm thinking you're going to go 30 minutes in this one. And he's like, yeah, 30 minutes sounds good. Or I could, go, you know, maybe I could go a little more if you need me, but let's, let's plan on 30 minutes. I mean, there's a give and take here and an understanding. And sometimes as a player, you're like, hey, I'm not feeling it today. And there's always this argument in my head, Kevin, and I'm sure you have it too. With Robbie Keane, it didn't matter what he was doing, how he was feeling, or whatever. He was going 90 minutes. Don't worry about it. He would show up. And if you told him he wasn't playing 90 minutes, you better get ready for a fight. Okay? Well, you know what you just said is really interesting because Ziggy made that exact same reference on Thursday. He said, Robbie Keane will tell you he's going to play 90 minutes no matter what. He said he's not always smart about it. And, uh, you know, what Ziggy didn't say is then his job as as the manager is to say, okay, great, I'm, I'm glad you're dedicated. You're playing 12 minutes off the bench. Uh, and Robbie would be pissed off, and you just have to deal with that. He talked right. about two players he had early in his career, 
Both of them were hurt at the same time. Both of them had the same injury. Both of them went under the, the same rehab. One guy came back a, a month earlier. He said, is that because the other guy was a quitter? No, it's just that people heal differently. And, and confidence, you know, some guys can play confidently with an injury and just will their way through it. Other guys have to be 100%. And he did make the point, we were talking about the two Dos Santos brothers because both of them with hamstring injuries, um, I was told that for the LAFC game that they that Ziggy wanted to dress both and, and that they came to him and said, look, we're not – we can't play. And they made the decision not to dress. And I went to Ziggy with that. And he, his response was not entirely true, which to me means partly true. Um, he said not entirely true. And then he went into the thing about it's a, it's a cooperative effort where you, the manager says, are you guys ready to play? And they say, here's how I feel. And then you talk to the trainers and maybe you get Ashley Cole as the captain involved. And then you make a decision based on what's best for the team. Um, sometimes you overrule the player Sometimes the the players doubts, even though the coach thinks he's ready to play. Um, sometimes that is the most important thing. But I think it's interesting when you look at that, that it, whether or not that was true, whether or not the Dos Santos brothers both said they didn't want to play in the LAFC game, what we do have is we have Jonathan back playing 90 minutes, and now we have uh, Gio still, in my mind, the way I read those quotes yesterday when Siggy talked about hoping to get him back, I still see him as being, you know, uh, having not having a clear timetable for his return. Ziggy says things like, "We hope to get him back as soon as possible." Did not say he'll play against Chicago. So yeah, exactly. Uh, no, that that's the and that's a big thing. I know people are looking for you know a geo timeline, and there's a question whether or not you know people think uh, again after LAFC it was, and I remember this uh, specifically. It was the Galaxy don't need Giovanni dos Santos. Uh, he can just stay injured. That's fine. And then after the loss of Sporting Kansas City, it's, oh, you know, it's probably time to get Gio back. You know, that would be important. So you can't have it both ways. You either get the guy back or, or you don't. I mean, how do you want to play it? And there's even question marks whether where Giovanni Dos Santos fits in on an LA Galaxy roster that has uh, Ola Kamara on it, that has uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, that has Roman Alessandrini, that has Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, you know, Sebastian Legette. Where does Sebastian Legette go if if Giovanni Dos Santos is playing? Because that's sort of the thing. If you're looking at the best starting lineup that the Galaxy have, and we have not seen it, Kevin, but it, it is closer and closer to fruition here. The best lineup shows Ola Kamara, shows Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the field at the same time. It shows Roman Alessandrini out at the right wing. It shows Jonathan Dos Santos in there. It shows Perry Kitchen in there as that defensive uh, midfielder. And it shows a left wing of someone. It's probably Sebastian Legette. All right? And so if it's Sebastian Legette there, then it's Sebastian Legette. There's no place on that in those attacking uh, you know, uh, attacking roles for somebody like Giovanni Dos Santos, which just opens up. All, is Giovanni Dos Santos a left winger now? Can he? Would he play on the left wing? Because what, I think. What, what if you play a three-two-three-two? Three-three-two. You could. Yes. See, you could. Ten. I am a math whiz. Yes, you could. But here's the thing: if you end up playing any sort of a three-man back line, the reason it worked in Vancouver is you technically got an extra defender, right? Because you had three center backs. Okay, and then you had your outside wings with Ashley Cole. Actually, it wasn't even Ashley Cole. It was uh, Dave Romney. Uh, Dave Romney left back, and you had Rolf Felcher. Those guys were both going forward and playing backward and doing those things. So you're not going to have that, though. You're going to be relying on somebody like Roman Alessandrini, or you're going to be relying on another winger out there that's not a defensive player. And if that happens, does your defense suffer a whole bunch? Because that three... That three-man back line, in my mind, Kevin, 
is a more defensive setup, and it certainly was in Vancouver. And and I, I know people might argue with that, but it technically gives you five defenders back there when you look at the wingbacks. So how are you going to do that with offensive players? You're trying to cram more offensive players on the ball, but by doing that, Kevin, you're taking away def- defensive players. So you're talking about the biggest, weakest link for the LA Galaxy right now is the defense, and you're going to take more guys away. That's- yeah, well, yeah, no, that's true. I, and, I mean, I, I guess the lineup I was thinking of would be I, I'd have Cole and and I guess probably Steris and Shelvick or, or Felcher in, on the back line. I'd have Kitchen and Jonathan um, both as playing as holding midfielders, and then that gives you that nice setup in you know in, in the middle with Alessandrini, Gio in the middle, and and uh, Legette, and then Ibra and, and Ola up front. Yeah. I see it as a very uh, I, I see my my. Three two three two would be much more attack minded than and it is what you're thinking and and it is and I get where you're coming from but by being more attack minded you're less defensive right yeah there's and, a lot of five four game results in my yeah, lineup I think yeah. hey and maybe that works maybe that's how the galaxy should do that but anyway just just again to compare these two games and I will say it so that way everybody is very clear I want to make sure that I will make myself a target on this show as much as possible because when I believe something I'm going to tell you it. Uh, I do not believe that Sporting Kansas City is going to be the best team in the Western Conference, and if they are, then the LA Galaxy are probably one of the top three or four teams in the Western Conference as well. Um, I thought the Galaxy faced up that well against Sporting Kansas City, and I thought they were unlucky in the result. I think the LA Galaxy against Sporting Kansas City was a better overall game than the game they played against LAFC. The only difference is against LAFC, they scored goals. Against uh, against Sporting Kansas City, they they just, hey, it was one of those things. First of all, they kicked a whole bunch of balls directly at Tim Melia, all right? And second of all, they hit a whole bunch of posts. So between those two things, um, those were the only differences for me. I thought the defensive effort in the Sporting Kansas City game was much, much light years better than against LAFC, all right? And the big deal now is with Ashley Cole and listening to how Ashley Cole's talking about um, you know, the game and where the turnovers are coming and what are leading to the counterattacks. Ashley Cole isn't isn't trying to take away from the responsibility, Kevin, and you and I know this, we, we talk to the man all the time, but he's not trying to take away from the responsibility of, you know, messing up on that second goal. Um, that's not it. He goes, but why did the guy have a breakaway? Why was there, why was there a counterattack to begin with? And it really comes down to the galaxy's inability to hold the ball in the midfield and make smart passes. There were a ton of turnovers in this game. <laughs> Um, and the Galaxy were fortunate enough to get back on defense defense on most of those, okay? But they still had some issues, and that's why they lost this game. So, well, when you when you talk about the Galaxy and the standings and how they compare to say Sporting Kansas City, whether they're for real or not, and and one thing you have to say for them is this was a huge confidence boost for them. Yes, they came in, they beat the Galaxy on the road without their best player, and they uh, kept uh, Ibrahimovic scoreless oh, uh, for 28 minutes so but when you talk about the standings i mean it, it it's and then again the galaxy kind of in a solid third place uh, position there you have to look at the, the standings and say you know what there are two teams there's one team in the league without a point that's seattle they were in right. the last two mls cup finals there's uh, three teams without a win two of them in the western conference and that would be seattle and portland right um and Portland, both of those, Seattle and Portland, I mean, uh, I thought Portland was going to compete for uh, the conference title, probably not the the Shield, just because I think it's going to come out of the East. But certainly you had to look at Seattle and Portland and say those are two of the top four teams for sure in the conference. And right now they're at the bottom 
uh, without a victory. Yeah, it is. I, I, I keep saying it. I don't know what this Western Conference is. You, we used to know what the good teams were, Kevin. Uh, and right now, I cannot tell you who the good teams are in the Western Conference. I can't give you an idea of where I feel the LA Galaxy fit in, except to say that if Sporting Kansas City is one of the best, you look at the two... At, you look at the two teams that are currently above the LA Galaxy in the standings. Both, by the way, have played an extra game. Okay, so you have Sporting Kansas City uh, and you have the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, both teams in which I thought the Galaxy played very good games against. And so if they're going to end up being the top in the West, then you look at that and say, okay, well, where did the Galaxy sit? You see LAFC is sitting in fifth place. The Galaxy Are the Galaxy better than LAFC? Well, they were in the one game that we saw them. All right, only on the scoreboard, by the way. That's a very even matchup. You know, is the Galaxy better than Real Salt Lake, who sit in fourth place? Well, Real Salt Lake looked horrible against LAFC. So, you know, again, where are you going to be able to place these? I mean, you look at teams that are historically near the top with Seattle and Portland and Dallas, and they're not there right now. So how is this going to shake out, and where are the good teams in the Western Conference? Because I'm not sure there is a clear leader right now. No, and and you're right. The the two... Teams in, in first and second, Sporting Kansas City, uh, the Galaxy, you know, in, in your mind, it should have got, gotten out there with a result and not play them. I'm not so, so sure I agree with that. But the point is they didn't get blown off the field. They were certainly, uh, you know, in the in the game the whole 90 minutes. And then Vancouver, that was a game where the Galaxy, they had nothing. Everybody was injured. They went in there and they played the kind of game they had to play. And it was a gutty game on the road and they got a point. That's the kind of game I was talking about earlier when right. you look at – at uh, who's on the field and you, and you look, you know, if you're an odds maker, you look at this and say, this isn't even going to be close. And the Galaxy escape with a point. The Sporting Kansas City game, the Galaxy get 22 shots and, and don't score a goal. So, you know, there was one one game where they got the result they shouldn't have gotten. Another game where they should have gotten something and they didn't. They just didn't get, you know, they weren't lucky. They didn't finish, whatever you want to attribute it to. But uh, those are sort of two games this year when you look at it and you say, there's a game that they got something they shouldn't have and a game that they let it get away. Well, and those two teams are 1-2 in the conference. So the Galaxy certainly um, you know, have a lot to be, I think, um, uh, optimistic about going forward. Well, Kevin, I want to take that optimism, optimism you just threw out into the universe, and I want to squash it a little bit. So let's do that. All right. I don't oh, want, I don't I'm, want, the, I'm the wet blanket. I got to squash it. No, Tell no, me what I should say, and I'll squash it. No, don't worry. We will always, always flip-flop back and forth on, on who the optimistic and pessimistic one is. I just want to go over again numbers, and I especially want to go over these numbers for the person who complained that I should no, go, no longer go over the Siggy Schmidt versus Cardinalfo numbers, all right? Because they're not relevant, is what this person said. That it, they're two different seasons with two different personnels, so it doesn't matter, and we shouldn't keep track of them. And I, to that, I say to you, good sir, uh, nah, I'm good. So here we go. Um, I want to talk about this because the one comparison is getting ready to end. That's right. Uh, the first 20 games of Cardinalfo's tenure, which was of the 20 games he was in charge, um, they are now, uh, Siggy Schmidt is just went through his 19th game. So when the LA Galaxy face off against Chicago, uh, the Cardinalfo and Siggy Schmidt will have had an equal number of times coaching the LA Galaxy. Okay, granted the teams changed, but equal numbers. So through 19 games, Curtin Alpha was 6, 9, and 4, 22 total points, 28 goals for, and 33 goals against. All right, so a minus 6 goal differential. Okay, now through 19 games for Siggy Schmidt, and that started immediately after Curtin Alpha was fired. Uh, uh, Siggy Schmidt is 4, 10, and 5. So 4, 10, and 5 versus 6, 9, and 4. All right, so 4, 10, and 5 for 17 points. 
17 points versus 22 points on an Altho. Um, and 21 goals for and 38 goals against. So a minus 17 goal differential. All right. That is the difference right now between those two teams just in that. Okay. So, and then Kevin, you tell me, you say, Josh, that's not a fair comparison because Curtin Awful had his team and Siggy Schmidt has his team in 2018. They're different teams. And to that, I say, you're absolutely right. So let's compare the starts of these two clubs, 2017 versus 2018 now, okay? Cardinalfo through five games, two, three, and oh, uh, a total of six points and a minus one goal differential, seven goals for, eight goals against, okay? Siggy Schmidt, two, two, and one for seven points, which is one more point than Cardinalfo had, uh, seven, seven goals for <clears throat> and eight goals against. Well, the numbers only can tell you the story so far. Remember, Kurt Anafo never had Jonathan Dos Santos on his team, and some people might think that's a good thing, but when you look at the way he's played in some games, it's probably someone that he would have liked to have. I mean, he was you know, he was playing with, with Jack McBean and Nathan Smith, and sometimes not even those guys because so many players were hurt. Um, he didn't have Ibrahimovic, who... Uh, are you, you know, are you, you're, ju you're just doing it to annoy me now? Is that what it is? <laughs> who... You know, you have to say, you have to tip your hat to him. He stole three points against LAFC. So there's, when you look at Ziggy's totals, there are three points that Kurt was not going to get because he didn't have Eber on his team. He didn't have Feltry, he didn't have Shelvick, he didn't have David Bingham. He had a, you know, a revolving door uh, in, in goal. So, yeah, you're right. It's not a fair comparison because uh, the, when you look at the personnel, I mean, I think the cards were really stacked against Kurt Anafo. So if you say Kurt can do what he did with the players he had, I think you have to rightly say you expect a little more out of Ziggy. I know it's only six games or five games into this new season with this new team, but um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna make the comparison to the first five games under Kurt Anafo, Ziggy has a much better team, wouldn't you say? Yeah, 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 I do. And I, by the way, I think that if you compare the two teams right now, just in terms of how they looked between those two, um, that the 2018 team is going to be much better than the 2017 team. I think it all, all rolls out. But I just want to point out that really, if you compare the start of last year and the start of this year, that they're basically the same. They're, okay. they're almost exactly the same. So what do you think about this? Here's another topic, because when you look at the Western Conference, you're right. The Galaxy are not going to be 8, 18, and 8. They're not going to be. But they could be something along the lines of, I don't know, uh, what, 12, 12, and then 10. What is that the right math? 12, 12, and 10. I mean, yeah. they could be uh -huh. like a 500 kind of club, even though they would be way, way better. And so my point is, you looked at Toronto FC last year, best t uh, season in MLS history, in, in you know, as far as points, wins, everything, they win MLS Cup. Do you think it's better for the league to have a lot of teams go 12, 12, and 10 and say they're really good and this is a playoff team? Um, the, have the dynasties passed? I mean, the Galaxy was a dynasty for a long time. Seattle's kind of been a dynasty. Now they are they don't have a point um, You know, this, this early in the season. Is it better to have a lot of teams fighting for a playoff spot but nobody really dominating? There's no real dominant teams. Like you said, you can't figure out who the good teams in the conference is. Is that preferable to having one or two teams that you go, oh, here comes the New England Patriots. This is going to be a tough game. We want to go see these guys because they're so good. There, there's two arguments there, and there always has been, and I don't know what the right one is. I've certainly argued it both ways, um, you know, and honestly argued it both ways. I think that they both have, have merits. Uh, if you have a bunch of teams that are competing, Kevin, then you have a bunch of teams that are involved, which means you have a bunch of fan bases involved, which makes things more interesting, um, at least to the fan bases that are involved. I think as a neutral, you always want the good guy and the bad guy, 
so as a neutral, you always want to be able to say the LA Galaxy are the bad guys because look at them. They've won, you know, five MLS Cup championships and three in the last however many years and bubble, you know, and all this stuff. So having a dominant team or a team that everybody loves to hate is always fun. Um, and I think that, that draws a lot of neutral fans to things. Um, you know, I think that there's also certainly something to to the fact that if you have that some of the leagues around the world are very dom are, are very boring because you know the you know the top four teams or the top three teams that are going to finish the top three every single time, and it's not really a competition. So I certainly think that it, it's not boring to see teams you know compete on a regular basis. I will say this though about the Western Conference and sort of taking that argument a little bit is that the Western Conference right now is is competitive mediocrity which is not a good thing to have. If it's competitive, you know, good teams, that's fine. But right now, I just, I'm not in love with any team in the Western Conference. No, that was kind of going to be my point, is it does seem like it's mediocrity is, is sort of ruling the, the nest right now. By the way, you talked about this is not AYSO and the coach, you know, the coach is not somebody's dad. It'd be cool though if they adopted some AYSO stuff. Like, what if the Galaxy had a team mom who like had orange slices behind the goal at halftime? That would be kind of cool. Oh, Kevin. Do you, Wouldn't do you, it? That'd be kind of cool. Do you, do you want to tell everybody your joke about the shirts? Do you, no, do you, no, no, I don't. No, you don't, don't want to talk about the joke? Kevin, Kevin had a joke about the shirts that I thought for sure he was going to put out there. That's okay. Save it. Save it. Make it a teaser. I don't. You, you decide when you want to l- release that greatness. Well, the joke is how come they have, when you go buy your Ebra t-shirts, uh, how come they have extra large and extra small, but they don't have extra medium? Yes, extra medium. There it is. That's the one that resonated throughout the press box for the entirety of the night. There it was. Extra That's medium. That's what kind of night it was. That's what kind of... And by the way, one of the reasons that I was also did, was not uh, not very excited about the Sporting Kansas City game whenever I went, one was the letdown I got to that and never got to my second point, is because the Galaxy and Sporting Kansas City have a history of playing the most boring games ever. All right, the worst game I've ever watched was a Galaxy versus Sporting Kansas City game in 2016. All right, but you know the last seven games, Kansas City is 3-0 and 4 against the Galaxy. I don't think they've lost since what 2015. Yeah, 2015. Yeah, yeah. No, they've been they've been good against LA. I mean, if you're looking for a a team that has consistently challenged the LA Galaxy and has not given them many very many points. Uh, it's Sporting Kansas City right now, which is which is interesting, which could be a very good rematch. I feel like the Galaxy are going to be get better as this year goes along, or that's certainly I think my my perspective well, on this team. And this should be more of a rivalry game because I mean I think back to 2015, I think it was. Um, was it 2015 or 2016? No, 2015 when the Galaxy was having that that rough patch at the end of the season, and it was a loss in Kansas City that that forced them I think into the into the wild card game, correct? And then they went to Seattle and lost that game three to two and knocked them out of the playoffs. It was a team that had been, uh, uh, you know, a top MLS most of the season and then didn't even get past the the knockout round. Um, Sporting Kansas City really kind of screwed up the Galaxy season a couple times. Yeah, it, it very well, very well could be. Hey, maybe it will be a rivalry, but right now it just doesn't feel like one. Probably because the games aren't that exciting. Uh, okay. LA Galaxy schedule, Kevin. I want to get to this before we get to everything else. We, we talked about Sporting Kansas City being an important game because it was a game we thought the Galaxy could win. I still stand by that. I thought they could have won that game. Um, so it's disappointing they didn't because it gets more difficult. And granted, the Chicago Fire are not a great team, Kevin, uh, at least not right now, but they're going to be a more difficult team on the road. And so if the Galaxy can go and get points, a point out of that game, I think you'd be pretty happy because then things really start to ratchet up as Atlanta United comes into StubHub Center for the very first time um, on Saturday, April 21st uh, uh, at 7.30 p.m. kickoff time. Uh, This is going to be a huge game. 
Uh, you have to imagine, I, I'm sort of targeting this game as the first Ibrahimovic start. So that's going against Atlanta United Saturday, April 21st. Then New York Red Bull at home Saturday, April 28th. Then you go away to Texas. You go away to Houston and away to FC Dallas. And uh, so those are not going to be easy games. So the Galaxy entering a very tough stretch, and it starts with the road game to Chicago uh, and, and a difficult one at that. I will, I will put out a note, Kevin, about the Saturday game, uh, the Saturday, May 12th game. Um, at FC Dallas, and FC Dallas put out a tweet today that FC Dallas has officially sold that game out. So that game is a sellout, uh, the LA Galaxy going to play FC Dallas. That's a, that's a little Ibrahimovic effect right there, Kevin, uh, for FC Dallas to sell out that game. Well, and the Chicago game is, is going to be uh, Zlatan's first uh, MLS road trip. Uh, he will not be flying on Southwest, which I was really kind of hoping it'd be a middle seat on Southwest. It will not be on Southwest. He, it will be on American Airlines, so um, he will be in first class. Yeah. We know that for a fact. Um, but he will have to uh, wait in the lounge with everybody else. He will be subject to flight delays like everyone else. Uh, he will presumably have to take his luggage off the off the baggage carousel like everybody else. My guess is that didn't happen to him a lot when he was playing for PSG, and I know it didn't happen when he was playing for Manchester United. So this will be a little bit of a new experience. And remember, it was he came here on a corporate jet. Um, so uh, it's, the travel is going to be – you and I do it all the time, or at least I do. You use the you use the, the corner of the galaxy corporate jet yourself. Right, right. But um, – it's going to be a little bit different, I, I, and it's a longer road trip. I mean, you know, when you play in France or in England or it, all the countries that he played in Europe, you don't travel, uh, uh, you know, as far as you travel to go to Chicago. It was about 2,600 miles to Chicago. That's a long trip. That's bigger than any of the countries he's even played in, and that's just to get to the game, and then he's got to come back. So um, that's something that he's not going to be used to. No, it's not. And it'll be interesting to see how Siggy manages that and how they manage his minutes during that. But it, it, anyway, the, the, the road trip is going to be uh, another interesting part to the uh, Zlatan experience here uh, in, in Los Angeles. And then again, back home to face off against Atlanta United, a, a game I certainly have pegged as a, as a good game. Uh, it should be a very fun, exciting um, electric atmosphere for that game. So that'll be interesting to see. All right. You want to get to some uh, listener questions here? Well, I have another question. Oh, so they yes. go to Chicago. They're going to play in Toyota Park, correct? Yes, yes. And then when they go to Dallas on May 12th, they play in Toyota Stadium. Yes. That's yes. kind of interesting. Yes, they're the same stadium. It's just they pick it up and move it for games. One's called Park and one's called Stadium. They're, they pick it up and move it for games. So, well, like, you know, FC Dallas will get it for one weekend, and then they'll pick it up and they'll move it over to, to Chicago, and they'll get it for a week. That's how it normally works. Well, another interesting thing about Toyota is, is my son is in Japan right now, and he says they do not show MLS highlights on TV. So Toyota investing quite a bit in MLS, and you can't even get the highlights back in Japan. I don't know what that means. I just found that interesting. Anyway, that, go that, on. That means Toyota does a lot of business in the United States. That's what that okay. means. All oh, right. Okay. Uh, listener questions. Uh, let's see. Uh, Andy writes in on Twitter, says, does Laton make the four-hour flight to Chicago, or does Siggy leave him at home? He's going, right, Kevin? There's, he's going. He's going. No, I, yeah, I, I, I think he's going, and I haven't heard anything to the contrary. I do think there are trips that he's not going to make. I, I would be a little bit surprised if he made the trip to Montreal, for example. Uh, that one's coming up May 21st, and that's the third of three consecutive road games. I don't know if he makes that one. Uh, they, um, they have Houston and Dallas back-to-back -back as well uh, that are away games. I bet he plays one of those. 
Yeah, I think he'll play one of those. It, it, you know, it depends on the turf and everything else. Um, those are going to be interesting games because Zlatan talked about how hot it was here last week, and it wasn't that hot. Um, and I don't think Texas is going to be that bad in May. But the thing with that, you know, they play May 5th in Houston, May 12th in Dallas, May 21st in Montreal. So each one of those games involves a round trip, um, which you, you think, okay, they get time at home. But that means, you know, three extra plane flights as opposed to, you know, baseball road trip where you go and, and you leave home and you're gone for two weeks and you come back. So they fly to Houston, fly home, fly to Dallas, fly home. Presumably, there's seven games apart. I doubt they'd stay there for a week and then fly all the way to Montreal. So, yeah, I, I think he probably does the first. I would say he probably does the first two, but I don't think he goes to Montreal. But in any case, I do think he goes to Chicago this weekend. Yeah, I think so, too. By the way, uh, the weather in Chicago Mr. Kevin Baxter, I think the Cubs had a uh, a, a game a snow snowed, out out, snowed out today. So yeah, so just uh, there's still chance for that to change and the weather to be nice on uh, in, in in Chicago. I know you're gonna probably gonna look it up, but anyway, um, I am looking it up right now. I, I figured you it's would. It's 35 degrees right now. Ooh. On on Thursday when the Galaxy arrives, it'll be a low of 46, a high of 65. Friday, 68 and 49. Saturday, game day. 54 and 41 with rain. He's going to love it. He's going to say, I am back in Manchester. I, I was going to say, this is Ebro weather. That sounds, that sounds perfect. It sounds perfect for the lion there. So that one, that's how that one will work. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll watch that. Okay. Next question um, from the IE Galaxy fans uh, says, Does Thomas Hilliard Arce get a chance for, sh- for the Chicago to start or at least see the bench? And would you fire Siggy if he doesn't make the playoffs this season? Wow, two different questions just on the opposite ends. All right, uh, Thomas Hilliard Arce down with LA Galaxy 2 when they played against Orange County. Uh, watch to see his minutes. I think LA Galaxy 2 plays this Wednesday night. Um, and if he plays on Wednesday night, I don't think he's going to be starting. And also, I don't think he's starting because Siani is coming back. Siani may actually get the start going uh, against Chicago if if that sort of turns out that way. We'll see if Siggy really favors Siani over over Steres once Siani gets back and is healthy there, Kevin. Well, Ars- Hilliard Arce needs minutes. He needs to play. So that's a wise decision to send him to LA Galaxy 2. He's a young player. You know, he needs to go out there and and learn the craft and make mistakes and all those things that's going to make him a better player. However, he really played well when they had that three-man back line in Vancouver, I thought. Um, If that becomes a viable option, um, and and in my mind it becomes an option only because there's a plethora of midfielders that need to be on the field. So if that becomes an option, then perhaps he comes back up. And another thing that would be interesting, if you're looking at LA Galaxy, start looking at the formations that they play. If... uh, if they're specifically trying something like a three-man back back line to get Hilliard Arce accustomed to it, which might not be a bad idea, that may tip Ziggy's hand a little bit. Yep, it'll be uh, interesting. And then would you fire Ziggy if he doesn't make the playoffs? If the Galaxy don't make the playoffs this year, are people losing their jobs? You know what? After the 8-18-8 and and no one lost their job in that front office, um, no. I mean, you know, Chris Klein got signed to a five-year extension after that season, um, the worst season in franchise history. Nobody lost their job except Cordonafo, and he lost his job very early in the season and actually had a better record than the guy that replaced him. So, um, no, they don't. But um, I I think it would be – it might be even a bigger disaster than last year simply because this time – Last year they had the excuses. We were young players. Everyone got hurt. I mean, whatever. This time they have Salatan Ibrahimovic. They have um, Ola Kamara. They, you know, there's no Giassi excuse this year. They have everybody they wanted. Every, they, 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 their Christmas list. They got everyone on it. Um, if they don't make the playoffs, um, so you know, someone's head should roll. I just don't think it will. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that yet. 
I, I don't want to sit on the fence on it, Kevin, but at the same time, I just I really don't have a feel for you know how invested they are with Siggy Schmidt on this. Um, could they fire what? him? Yeah, they could if they. I I I tend to agree with you, Kevin. If they don't make the playoffs and they have Zlatan Ibrahimovic, they have Ola Kamara, which by the way we should mention signed a uh, three-year contract extension with the LA Galaxy. That's two more than years. double the salary, and now gives the 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 Galaxy. What four players did we say that make at least nine hundred thousand dollars a year or more? Yeah, because you have uh, you have the three designated players, and then you have uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and so oh, five it's five, players, yeah. it's five, yeah, with uh, with Kamara as well. So there, and uh, that's a two-year contract deal with an option, all right, with a, a club option. So that's how you get the three years, and it's just under a million dollars a year, as you said. So um, it looks like that's uh, that's good. So talking about Kamara, and then we go to this question. Uh, from Ryan uh, at Ryan Calwave, he says, "Does Kamara fit this team? He seems a good player. He seemed like he was a good player for Columbus, um, and certainly fit their style. But does uh, he seem like a cap- player who is capable of hold-up play like the Galaxy need? Does he continue? Does he come off the bench when Zlatan gets his legs? I don't think Kamara's coming off the bench. I, I honestly think that they're going to play uh, Ibrahimovic and Kamara together, and I think that's always been the plan. And I think they're going to continue to do that. I think Kamara is great. If you look at the guy who created the most chances in the SKC game, Ola Kamara, six chances created." Um, now there was, there was, uh, you know, he missed, uh, he wasn't set up in a great position a whole bunch of times to actually finish a whole bunch of things. And certainly his glancing header that didn't quite get cleared led to the, uh, first sporting Kansas city goal. But, uh, I think Ola Kamara is doing fine. I'm not panicked about him at all. You're five games in, he has a goal. He's gotten close on a couple other ones. And, and quite honestly, the galaxy have struggled a little bit offensively. So I think Kamara is going to be just fine. I'm not ready to panic yet. I think he can fit into this galaxy lineup. And I think that the galaxy lineup really changes whenever you realize that Zlatan's going to be starting. And whenever he starts, then that might make a different role for Ola Kamara. And I kind of see them as going back and forth as one guy taking the high, one guy taking underneath and those, them switching back and forth um, and being able to play that way. Wow, and they can talk to each other in Swedish too, which is kind of cool. But uh, as far I, I said the Ola Kamara on the header that led to the goal, I called it a mistake, and it was a mistake. But when you go back and look at that, what else would you have him do? There's a corner coming in. He needs to head it out. He heads it out. Just happened to be there was nobody there. Now was that maybe a mistake? Would should there have been somebody there? I don't know. It was right into the path of an on charging, uh, Sporting Kansas City player. It was almost as if Ola had passed the ball to him. But again, when you look at the play, he headed the ball away from his goal. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. It was almost textbook. Just happened to fall at the feet of the wrong guy. If it falls at the feet of a Galaxy player, we're not having this conversation, and maybe the Galaxy wind up stealing a point there. So, uh, you know, there was a lot. You you can talk about, you know, uh, maybe call them excuses. Zlatan certainly wasn't calling them excuses. He was saying you hit the woodwork. It, it That means it didn't go in. And it also means that you're still calling it woodwork when it's plastic work. But and my point is, I think the Galaxy were a little bit snake bit. I mean, to have that header, again, he did everything he was supposed to do, and it turns into a goal, and then you have three shots hit the post. Um, you know, a little bit a little bit of bad luck there. Ah, bad luck, good luck. It all happens. That's how it goes. Uh, quickly, uh, this is from, uh, from at BKRSP on Twitter. It says, what are your thoughts on the We Want Zlatan chants? chant at the 46th minute uh we want Zlatan Kevin is this affecting the players do you feel like this is an issue or a problem or anything that the the Galaxy fans should be worried about yes oh (laughs) I can't believe you said yes go ahead no no yes because all those things I I think there are certain players that love it there's no question 
the team and the fans feed off that energy. Okay, so so it's all good in that sense. I think there are certain players that there's a little bit of, hey, did you see what I did? Uh, I think maybe Ola might be one of those guys, a little bit of, of how come you're not talking about what I did? And so they may resent all the attention on one guy. I think there are other players like Ashley Cole that would just assume you don't even know that he's on the field. He's just going to go quietly about his business. And, uh, you know, he hopes the team wins and has contributed to that. But if he gets any credit for it or any blame for a loss, doesn't really care one way or the other. As a lot of time gives a perfect uh, cover for people like that. But you know what? It, it's the fans are the ones that pay their t- their money to get in. The players are, are getting paid to be there. So I'm going to side with the fans. And, and the you know, the fans have come out to see him. We write about him. The, the Galaxy talks about him. He's, you know, we talked about his goals against LAFC reviewed over 26 million times around the world. Um, you know, people come out and they want to see Zlatan. And if I'm a fan, I want to see him too. I'm chanting, you don't go to Dodger Stadium to see the fifth starter. You want to see Clayton Kershaw pitch. So I, I totally get it. Um, and, and the Galaxy, I think you're going to have to get used to it. You talk about the game in Dallas. Um, they sold all those tickets to sell out that game, not because they want to see Carrasco play. It's to see Ibra. So, um, you know, I did. Poor Servando Carrasco. Could you not kick the man? He's already the second best soccer player in his family. That, right. and see, Alex Morgan might sell out. Uh, no, you know, see, Carrasco's a great guy, so I know he's not going to take exception to this. But people want to see, you know, Ibra. That's why they. That's why you know the Galaxy brought him. You know, he might be a very. When they got Ramon Alessandrini, they were looking and saying this guy's a really good player. But I don't think there was ever any sense that he was going to sell out game in Dallas a month ahead of time. You know, the the players, the team, everybody knows what they were getting. Uh, once a lot of time came in and the fans are playing to that. And I, I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, it, it's different. I, I know there's some, some hardcore fans who are upset about it because they're like, you know, you need to support the whole team. I understand that sort of view, but here's the thing is that the people who are now selling out the stadium are not your hardcore fans, because if they were hardcore fans, they would have already been in the stadium before Zlatan Ibrahimovic showed up, and that's not the case, right? These are guys who are are very motivated and who will get a chance to see the LA Galaxy play a lot, but they're motivated because they want to see Zlatan Ibrahimovic play. So uh, I have no issues with it. I don't think the players have any issues with it. I'm not concerned that it's a problem or an issue. And again, it goes away pretty quickly once Zlatan Ibrahimovic is the starter and so then you can't be chanting "We want Zlatan" unless it's in pre, you know, in before the game, and then who cares, right? Well, so, and the other thing is, is like you mentioned at the top of the show, you know, it, it what he did against LAFC didn't happen. That's what the fans were chanting for, you know. We want to see some more magic. And by the way, I love the way he comes out for warmups. He kind of saunters onto the field after everybody else. It's you know, it's almost diva esque. It's you know, the team comes out and then he comes out, so he gets his own applause. Um, same thing when they walk to the bench, all the other substitutes come out. He's about 20 yards behind them, um, high-fiving fans. And, um, you know, that little reception line that they have of kids where they hold the banners yep. and the players run through them. I don't know if you noticed that when Zlatan came out that um, he motioned over to those kids and the, and it, it just fell into disarray. All the little kids <laughs> holding the banner, dropped the banner and ran over to shake his hand. Um, it, it just changes everything. Everyone's eyes are on him. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you can't. You can't not notice that, and you can't not feed off that energy. I think it's a good thing for the Galaxy. But it'll be really interesting to see how it plays in Chicago this this week because, you know what, 
the people in Dallas bought the tickets to see Zlatan. We know that. that the game wasn't sold out until he got signed. He's going to go to Chicago. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to come out to see him. Do they do they say we want Zlatan too? Do they cheer against the fire? I think it's a distinct possibility. <laughs> I think it could be like whenever uh, whenever the Lakers had Kobe Bryant and you had all the uh, MVP chants in almost every building that uh, he went into in, in opposing teams' uh, buildings. So that could certainly happen. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, let's see. Uh, you have uh, Galaxy History, at Galaxy underscore History. Big shout out to them, by the way. They did a new Twitter account who is tweeting uh, gifts, Kevin, of Galaxy History uh, almost daily. I, they're one of my favorite new follows. I really like them. So go go follow them as well because you get to see gifts of, you know, historic goals scored throughout the uh, throughout the Galaxy, uh, you know, a life of the uh, of the club. So definitely check them out. Anyway. So uh, gifts are like a Christmas gift, right? Yes, exactly. Unwrap it. Okay. Y- yes, you got it, Kevin. Perfect. Uh, extra medium are the expectations. This is their question. Are the expectations of the team now that Ebra's here an obstacle or will it spur the team on? There was a lot of pressure yesterday for a repeat of his debut. Uh, do you think there's any more? Pre- I think there is more pressure on this team now that Zoltan Ibrahimovic is on there. We just talked about it saying that if they don't make the playoffs, Kevin, that it could be a bigger failure than when they didn't make the playoffs last year. Oh, yeah, it's a, a huge, a ton of pressure. I mean, I thought there was a little bit of pressure because the Galaxy had done everything in the offseason they wanted, and when they got Ola, I mean, that was, talk about gifts, that was the biggest gift, that was the one that they'd been chasing for over a year, and they got him, and now it's like, no excuses, we got everybody we wanted, this is the team that we we dreamed about, and now we're going to add Zlatan Ibrahimovic on top of that? Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on them, and, uh, you know, that's why, uh, you know, I think so far everything's been great. It's been a lot of, uh, you know, it, you know, people in the in the dressing room holding hands and singing Kumbaya. But that's, you know, one of my fears is that if, if this thing goes south in a big way, and I'm not talking about you win a game, you lose a game, you win a game, you, you draw. I'm talking about if things really go south like they did in the middle of last season. Um, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing because because of that pressure, I think. Yeah, very well could be. Um, let's go to some of our Reddit questions as well. Actually, I want to get to Dan's question from Twitter. Dan says, uh, what would it take to motivate the players? Energy felt low until Zlatan came on. Can't rely on that. Should we try a back three with Siani? Is it all, is time almost up for Gio? Uh, where is the chemistry between Roman? And he goes, and then Roman and Zlatan only had five minutes together. I can answer all these really quickly. Let me do that. Because we only got about five minutes left, so I just want to power through. Um, what would it take to motivate the players? Uh, as I said, I think the first half, the LA Galaxy were very motivated. Talk to them about getting uh, the last, the, the, those first 15 minutes out of the second half out of their system, and I think they got something. I also think that they're learning and that they got it. Uh, I didn't feel like energy was low except for the 15 minutes in that second half. That was about it. Otherwise, I thought the Galaxy played played really well. Um, you can try a back three with Michael, uh, with, with Siani if you want. Um, I certainly think that Kevin and I have thrown out enough uh, options there. Um, as the, is time almost up for Gio? Yeah, he's got to start producing. He's making $5.5 million. You expect him to do something. And there certainly is a bunch of passionate arguments that Gio isn't a number 10, so stop trying to make him sit. I, listen, here's the here's the argument. Gio doesn't, I don't care what number Gio is, Kevin. Gio makes $5.5 million. And if he's not doing anything with that $5.5 million, running around and disappearing on the pitch is not doing something for $5.5 million, then yes, his time could be up. Um, and then where is the chem- where is the chemistry you had Roman and Zlatan only on the field together for five minutes uh, was totally a product of how both of those guys' minutes are being managed right now, and that's it. 
that's a simple, yeah. That's simple. The chemistry is going to be something that's com- that's going to come because they they did, they got some time together in the preseason, but not a much. Remember, not, not much. Remember, uh, um, Sebastian didn't play a whole lot in the preseason, and then Alessandrini got hurt. Um, do you know? I don't believe that. I don't believe that Jonathan Alessandrini and Legette have been on the field together at all ever. Uh, and those are three of your key midfielders. Uh, you know, because Sebastian was hurt all last year, and then I think. Uh, Alice, you know, Legette didn't play the first game. Anyway, go back and look at that. But I'm pretty sure that's accurate, that Jonathan, Allison, Drini, and and Legette have never been on the field together. And those are three of your key midfielders. Um, now, as far as the other thing goes, it, the energy, you're right. The players had energy, but I did feel the, the, the stadium was kind of dead. I did feel, as I tweeted out, it felt like a bullpen game. Like people were waiting in anticipation for something to happen, like the second act of a play or whatever. Uh, and that second act was a lot time coming on. So the players were playing well. I did think that the that the energy in the stadium was all sort of waiting for, you know, the fat lady to sing, so to speak. Uh, so I did feel that that was lacking. And, and maybe that'll change when um, Zlatan starts. Now, as far as, as Gio, absolutely. I think his time is running out. I was really thinking going into the season that this was going to be his time, that he'd be on fire right now because he would be trying to impress Juan Carlos Osorio and make that World Cup team. Now, uh, I, in my mind, a lot of bets are off because Juan Carlos Osorio was there last week and he saw Gio and Jonathan not dress. And he must have heard about the conversation they had with Ziggy. Um, and he's probably got a much better take on how much truth there is to that than I do. But um, I just don't, you know, without the World Cup to motivate him, the next one's four years away. And I think Gio has already said that this was going to be his last World Cup. So, um I, you know, it's just it's looking really dicey for him. And now he's with Zlatan here. There's even less attention on him. And I, I do think he's one of the players that does kind of crave on that. So um, it, not, in the, you know, he's not in a good place right now. He's going to have to win that back. And perhaps that's the challenge he he's looking for. But when you look at his career, you know, he's played every team he's played for. He's been there two, two and a half seasons. Um, there's a reason why he keeps moving. And maybe we're beginning to see what it is. Yeah, it's uh, again. Uh, the time's t- the clock's ticking, and uh, I-, I can't wait for this World Cup to be over because I don't I don't like hearing all the World Cup questions every time they talk about Jonathan and Geo and blah blah. Who cares? Who cares? That's not we're at a Galaxy game. You talk about the Galaxy things that happen anyway. Just pet peeve. It's fine. Uh, let's see. Anything else I want to go see? People are already asking Kevin uh, on on Reddit. Uh, at, uh, let's see. It's uh, K E B I F C nine says any potential Siggy replacements. So people people are ready to ship uh, Siggy off. They they mentioned Burhalter, who I think would be a great replacement if you were he would in be. that. Remember, Ziggy's sixty five, yep. which is either old or not old. I mean, depending on how you look at it. But sixty five, um, obviously, he's not the manager of the future. Um, he's the manager of of the now. Um, but how long does now last? I guess. I mean, if uh, if the galaxy, Ziggy's uh, this is a, a big deal for Ziggy too. I mean, he got. When he left Seattle, they were they were uh, playing really poorly. Everyone had written Ziggy off. He's lost it, you know. Ziggy is trying to prove that he hadn't lost it. And I think a winning season, maybe he if if he has a winning season and the Galaxy go deep in the playoffs, maybe Ziggy's the one that says, you know what, I made my point. You know, I'm going home now. Um, but the Galaxy do have to start thinking uh, who comes next. Burhalter would be a great guy. He came here. He started here. He grew up here. Uh, Greg Vaney is not going to leave Toronto, but that would be another Galaxy. Like Robin Frazier, who 
um, get a very um, uh, bad chance at, with Chivas USA with no support is, you know, the assistant there in Toronto cer certainly learned a lot about how to put a winning club together. Um, another guy with some history here in Southern California might be a guy. It's probably too early to start thinking about successors yet because all those guys are going to move around and get into long-term contracts and be happier somewhere else. Um, so where they are now really plays no role in that. Uh, but uh, in, it's. I think it's going to be up to Ziggy. I don't see him getting fired even unless the the season is worse than last year's. I think it's going to be his call. But I think the Galaxy probably have a short list of people they would turn to if that ever happened. Yeah, maybe even outside the league as well. So um, I certainly don't think that inside the league it would be uh, limited to that. Although last time they had coaching changes to be made, we certainly saw where that all fell. Um, Pep, you think Pep Guardiola would come? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what it is. Um, did Siggy mismanage this game from uh, Reddit Attack on Retail? Did Siggy mismanage this game? It seems like we, he had the wrong formation with Roman in the center. Would a 4-4-2 have been a better showing? Also, do you guys think the team gets deflated hearing we want Zlatan? Again, another we want Zlatan uh, uh, question. So we'll, we'll uh, tackle the... Di I don't think Siggy mismanaged the game. I think he managed the players, and managing the players ended up managing the game in a certain way. That was it. That was it for me. Could you have moved, again, I think we talked about it, could you have moved Roman Alessandrini out to the right uh, and dropped Pontius underneath Kamara or at least equal with Kamara and gone more to a 4-4-2? You could have. Absolutely. Go ahead. You can. Yeah, um, I think Alessandrini needs to be outside. Although he did play in the middle a little bit last year, but he he, he sort of drifted out to the wing. I mean, I think he's, he's, a, he's a wide player, so that would have been my major criticism. I think he plays better wide. And Pontius is a wily veteran. He can play anywhere. He can play anywhere, except on the field for most of the game, um, according to my Twitter timeline during it. All right, I think that's it. I don't, I don't think wow, we you're bagging up on the punt already. I was not. I liked. I like Chris Pontius. I thought he was fine. I thought people telling saying how horrible he was forgot what he did against LAFC and how he was just sort of one of these guys who hangs around, does a little here, does a little bit there, and then all of a sudden he scores a goal. That's kind of him. So and he, and he hit one off the post earlier in the game. So he was fine. The problem was that he was put in a position that was more of a playmaking position, but they didn't have two playmakers, so they couldn't do that. Um, you know, could you have put Sebastian Legette in his place? Sure. Could you move Roman out to the to Pontius' spot? Sure. And could you have dropped Legette in? Again, if people are healthy and Siggy isn't managing minutes, Kevin, this is a totally different game. Um, it certainly is a different game formation-wise and everything else in between. So that's why I say that. All right? All right. You know, he's kind of a Fairweather fan, though. He's from Yorba Linda, but, he, you know, he with DC United, he wore number 13 because he liked Dan Marino, oh, the old my. Dolphins quarterback. Now he's wearing number 19, and he really – I asked him about that, and he really had no reason other than just he wanted to change. I don't know. Is that Johnny Unitas? I mean, who who would the number 19 hey, be that hey, he wants you, to emulate? You can be any number you want, and sometimes it comes down to this is the number we have available. Would you like it? You know? Yeah, that, that, that could be it too. That's a, that's a good, good thing idea. you didn't take number 9. <laughs> We would have had a Joel Pedro issue all over again, Kevin. Yeah, he'd be ninety nine. It would it would have been so it would have been so much fun. All right. Anyway, uh, let's see. Is there anything else you want to get to, or are we? Oh, I want to remind everybody. This is it. Last week for your line of Los Angeles T-shirts. Uh, about six days remaining as we're as we're doing the podcast. Uh, basically, you have until Tax Day Monday, but you probably want to do it before that. So uh, get those orders in. I will tell you right now that the next person who orders will make it the most successful T-shirt round that we've had uh, here at Corner of the galaxy which is great uh and so we thank you for the support so much but lionel los angeles go on bonfire.com and in fact if you're listening to this podcast you can hit pause right now and click the link that i will put into the show notes 
underneath it. So click the link, order your t-shirt. I like the navy blue. I'm partial to that, but there's also gray. There's also white. So make sure you order those. And they will start shipping there. They'll start printing and shipping there within the next couple of weeks. So you should have them uh, pretty rapidly. So we'd love to see you at the stadium in your line of Los Angeles uh, t-shirts. It says Corner of the Galaxy on the back. I think it's a great design. So that's can, what I got. Can I, can, I, can I let the other thing away? Uh, let the other thing out of the bag now, the other shoe that's going to drop. Oh, it, oh. It, it's currently the most popular T-shirt. I will be when one more sells. But the next line, what's come out after the line, the reason the line of Los Angeles is, is is being discontinued is because now we're coming out with the Panda of Los Angeles. <laughs> so a big picture of me with my computer and uh, it says Corner of the Galaxy on the back. And it's uh, only one size only, uh, extra medium. Extra, I was going to say, I was going to ask you what size I was available in. Extra medium only. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, you can find him at kbaxter11. Don't go to at kbaxter. I blocked that guy because he got mad every time I would mistag him. So go to kbaxter11. All right. Uh, obviously, go to the LA Times, read all of Kevin's articles, and uh, you can find him there. You can find him on Facebook as well, and I think you should harass him there, uh, definitely in some of the Facebook groups around, uh, making sure that he drops all the knowledge there. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, at jgessman, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerthegalaxy.com. If you click on the shop button, you can order your scarf. You can order your T-shirt. You can do all that stuff. So please head on over to cornerthegalaxy.com, podcast news, everything else. Larry Morgan has a great article up on the defense that you're going to want to check out as well. All right. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Guestman, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, and we will talk to you on Thursday. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.